I'm Kieran Lynch and welcome to Opicast, the Chocolate Sheep Podcast. Each episode, we bring you insights, advice and technical updates for the sheep industry. As part of the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marines Animal Health Awareness Week, I'm joined by Marissa Sheehan, Senior Research Officer in the Department of Regional Veterinary Laboratory in County Kilkenny. Marissa starts off by describing some of the current health issues to find in the lab, as well as some of the more seasonal conditions. We discuss how some of these might be prevented and what steps farmers can take. Marissa takes us through how the post-mortem process works, the timelines involved in the various aspects of testing as well as the limitations and importance in the type of sample that's submitted. We discuss the importance of early intervention, particularly the first signs of sudden death or where abortions occur and what steps can be taken within that year. As many of the conditions affecting livestock are zoonotic, the impact on human health cannot be underestimated. Marissa puts this in the context in a farmer's situation and highlights the importance of good hygienic practices. As high parasite burdens and stomach worms are an issue that they see in the labs, Marissa highlights the increasing issue of antimic resistance and the need to identify what products are working on individual farms. We finish up with Marissa highlighting the benefits of a high health status in our flocks and its role in safeguarding industry. We start off, however, with Marissa explaining what Animal Health Awareness Week is and why it's important to all of us working in the industry. Animal Health Awareness Week is an initiative to do exactly what it says, to try and raise everyone's awareness of the importance of animal health. Um, Animal health is essential. We have a very big agri-food industry in Ireland worth over 14 billion a year. So we have to protect that and we need to protect the health of our animals um, in order to safeguard that, that industry. Also, healthy animals are happy animals. So healthy animals will have very good welfare. Every farmer in the country really wants their animals to be uh, healthy and happy. And not only that, the consumer now demands that we have very high welfare standards. Also, the department is very aware of the importance of the big diseases, those big exotic diseases like foot and mouth disease, classical swine fever, African swine fever, blue tongue, that could really decimate our industry. So if one of those got in and we didn't catch that quickly, or our farmers weren't aware, our vets weren't aware of what it looks like and what they need to do if they suspect it, then obviously all our animal health certification um, is heavily jeopardised and our exports are under severe pressure if anything like that happens. And obviously then, from an environmental point of view, healthy animals um, are better at food conversion efficiency and are less of a stress on the environment so animal health is essential to all those things. And that's why the department is very keen that farmers, vets, childhood advisors like yourself, always have animal health um, to, the, to the fore of what, of what we do. The, the slogan for this week is the front line is at the front gate. So everybody's farm, really their priority is to try and keep it as disease-free as they possibly can. It's certainly very relevant at the moment, so it is in the industry and looks important. Any of us that's working in it, it's a good initiative. Marissa, like you're at the cold face of things in the lab in Kilkenny. Maybe just for a little bit of context for listeners, what are the kind of flock health diseases you see in the lab on a regular basis? Yeah, uh, so we see a huge gambit of diseases. So we see a, the whole spectrum. But I suppose we see the common things commonly. So we see a lot of issues with parasitism. And um, so even last week, you know, we just had lambs with very high egg counts. Um, we see clostridial diseases. Uh, we see the, unfortunately, we see them um, continuously. So pulpy kidney disease, enterotoxemias. Um, so we see those 
on an ongoing basis. Uh, then, depending on the time of year, abortion uh, would be uh, account for a high level of our throughput. So, you know, once the spring starts, um, we see a lot of those. Uh, we also see around uh, lambing time, diarrhea in young lambs, watery mouth, uh, mismothering. And then, I suppose, we have the nervous disease. We see a lot of listeriosis, um, CCN, even acidosis. And then the more sporadic ones, the ones that we see as well will be copper toxicity in sheep. We're all aware of the dangers of um, high copper in sheep. Then we see maybe the pneumonias. We see quite a lot of those. So, you know, those caused by the pastorellas. Um, and then we see the less common pneumonias, like the Yazikas. Then very infrequently see, we see maybe Bisna. And then we see things like listeriosis um, as well. But a, a huge gambit, but like everything, the common things are common. Like a lot of the ones you mentioned there, they're potentially preventable at farm level. Absolutely. And that's, I think that's probably the usefulness of um, surveillance and knowing what's going on in your flock is that then you can really get down to the brass tacks of preventing these things. So look at the likes of clostridial diseases. They're preventable. So, you know, if you're a farmer listening to this, you know, talk to your vet, get a system of vaccination on board, vaccinate your yoke before the lamb, then vaccinate your lambs. Um, it's just, it's a, it's a real shame, you know, when there are lots of juice clostridial disease when it is preventable. Likewise with pneumonia, not all of them are, uh, you can, can you vaccinate against them, but a high proportion of them that you, that you, that you can. Um, and then obviously other measures like your diarrhea and lambs and your watery mouth. Um, it's very interesting that I think Chagas did a study um, not too long ago about, you know, sort of the level of cleaning out pins between um, yours going into lamb, the use of liming, all those things that really should be a core part of all of our husbandry um, in order to try and prevent these diseases. Because also we have to be very much aware that um, there's going to be a lot of restrictions on antimicrobial use, on antibiotic use, uh, just to try and reduce this antimicrobial resistance. So I think as farmers and vets and advisors, we really have to get on board with prevention. Um, so that we cut down on our any reliance that we might have on antibiotics. And I know farmers are getting really aware of this and trying to cut down on antibiotic use anyway, and likewise vets. Um, and I suppose abortion then is a big area that can be prevented. So our two main causes of abortion, which are toxoplasmosis and endoatic abortion, so if you know they're in your flock, you really need to be vaccinating against those as well. Yeah, can, the big ticket items from basic hygiene to some of the conditions we can vaccinate against, you're armed with information when you get the, the result from the lab. Just like this to me, you mentioned pneumonia. Sometimes maybe at farm level, you know, the general pneumonia, we can prevent with vaccination. But is there a type of pneumonia that isn't preventable by vaccination or other lung conditions that you're seeing emerging? Yeah, so... The likes of um, mycoplasmovi pneumonia that can cause kind of a, a cough in, in lambs, that's, that's not preventable. So you can't, it is preventable from good biosecurity and good ventilation, but it doesn't have a vaccine against it. And uh, likewise, say with the OPAs and the exitus, where it's, it's, it's basically kind of a chronic tumour in the lung, they're not uh, preventable by vaccination. But again, um, good husbandry, good detection of them. You know, a lot of work now has been done with the use of ultrasound to scan lungs and detect um, these are lumps that could be associated with 
the Exita or OPA, which are the same disease, just different names for it. Um, and so then you try and call out uh, animals that would would have that and try and get them out of your flock. Um, and the likes of the Navy Visna, which we've had very, very small cases of it, but you know, that can, that can be transferred via colostrum, so you might pasteurize your colostrum. So there are a lot of different measures. But I suppose my key message would be, don't worry about these if you don't have them. But if you do have them, find out that you have them. So if you have yos, adult yos, these are chronic diseases, these OPAs and MVVs. If you have chronic yos that have ill thrift and have respiratory signs, bring them them to the lab and try and find out what is happening. And then for the likes of your mycoplasma ovi pneumonia, good husbandry, try not to buy in sheep where you can. I know sheep flocks, you have to buy in a ram, but make sure that you buy a ram from a good uh, flock where you know its health status um, and try and reduce the number of things you've bought in. Try and reduce the mixing in sheds. Make sure that you've got ventilation if you do are if you are housing store lambs and that. So again, the ones that aren't preventable by vaccination, there are still avenues open to you. But again, it kind of comes back to the thing of really trying to find out what what you're dealing with, and then then talk to your vet, talk to your advisor, and 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 get a, a, a program in place. You're you're really managing your risk, and you're you're trying to manage that condition by knowing what you're dealing with. Like the one other thing that crops up when you, you mentioned abortion a couple of times, some of these conditions are zoonotic, obviously. So there is a human health risk associated with some of them too that you need to be aware of and understand maybe what's there is is part of that. Oh, absolutely. And I, I suppose maybe I, I should have mentioned that at the start. That's another really key driver for this Animal Health Awareness Week is these zoonotic diseases. So a lot of the diseases, and I suppose with, with COVID, we're very much aware that, you know, the the most prominent scientific theory is that that has originated from animal species. So we're very much aware that a lot of diseases that animals get, there is that potential to infect um, humans as well. So I think everyone is aware of it, um, unfortunately, in 2020. But just bring it back to farm again. So your abortive, your abortifactive agents, like your chlamydias and your toxos, they're all zoonotic. So it's key that any uh, pregnant woman or a woman who uh, thinks she may be pregnant or could be pregnant really should not be in the lambing shed. It's just too dangerous. So that's a key bit of advice. But it, it, go, it goes on from that. So they, they're, they're your enzootic abortions and your toxols. Um, but like you have salmonella, you have campylobacter, you have a lot of... Um, bacteria that hang around sheep. So again, know what you have, but also be aware that even healthy sheep can be carrying bacteria that could be potentially infectious. So it comes down to basic hygiene. Wash your hands. Don't be bringing dirty boots into the house. Um, you know, leave them upside down outside the house. Make sure they get a good wash. Don't ever eat before washing your hands after coming in from from doing something. Look, farmers know this, but it's just, it's never any harm, even for ourselves um, as vets, just, just to remind ourselves and advisors, just basic biosecurity, washing boots, washing hands, taking off overalls before you come. And I know everyone runs in to get something in the house, but just if you can just remember that, you know, children or older people um, might be more susceptible to something that, that you would, you it mightn't affect you. So just, just again, just to be aware of, of, of the basics of, of, about that. It's, it's something that we need to be more, perhaps more conscious of. It, it brings us a little bit to the next section of it. Like, 
when samples are being submitted to the lab, what do you really require? And you know, the timeliness of getting that sample, the completeness of that sample, Marissa, how big of an impact does that have on you determining the result? Yeah, and especially for sheep, because sheep have a lot of wool. So as soon as they die, the temperature of the sheep is maintained quite quite warm, which really speeds up what we call autolysis, but it's basically the sheep going off. So that, that really impacts on what we can see. So I won't get into the graphic details, but, you know, a liver that has been um, left sitting there in, in a sheep for two or three days, we really can see very, very little with it. And we might be in danger of not picking up an acute fluke where we see, you know, the little bloody tracks where the liver fluke has gone through the liver. So it's really important that we get fresh samples. Now, if it's an aborted fetus that you're bringing in, please bring a placenta because we really need that in order to diagnose the, the endoartics and, and the toxins. So what we really require is a fresh sample. Now, every sample is going to get dirty. We're, we're all practically people. They're going to be fetally contaminated. Don't worry about that so much. What we need, though, is a fresh sample because we can do things in the lab that will try and counteract any surface contamination of, of what you're submitting. But something fresh and also something preferably that's characteristic of, of, of the disease. So sometimes, say, a farm might submit an animal with a history of respiratory disease. But it's an animal that has been treated, it has had it for a long time, it's recovered a little bit, then it's got another bout. That's not a great example for us. What would be a lot better is an animal that was quite recently affected with it, preferably not treated, because the antibiotics might affect what we can grow, um, and a good fresh case. And again, Kieran, it's worth remembering, like you won't always get a result on the first animal you submit. So please keep submitting animals and give us every chance to help you. Um, And as I say, you know, there's no magic bullet here, but we will really try to get to the bottom of the problem and and get get an answer for you if we can at all. That's probably something worth pointing out, like in terms of just managing expectations. Of course, and yourself included in this, we'd love, you know, the magic bullet answer straight off the first sample we submit. That's what it was. And sometimes that will happen. But even in the case of abortions, you know, it may be a case of multiple samples going in, Marissa, to actually follow up to get to the root of a problem. Absolutely. And but that's time well spent uh, by the farmer, because even though the horse may have bolted for that season, it's so vitally important that you know what went wrong so that you can prevent it for the next lambing season. And in some occasions, uh, you can intervene in the season that 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 you're having now and take some measures to try and limit the impact of, of, of what you're dealing with. And I think in the RBLs, we're all very conscious that it's very difficult on farmers when they're losing animals. Like, they really care about their animals. It's a very stressful situation. So we really want to try and help them to come and, and get a solution and try and implement measures. And I think as well as that, it's very helpful for farmers themselves if they know what's going wrong so that they can realise, well, look, it isn't something that I did. It was something that just, look, something that happened. I brought it in. I didn't mean to inadvertently, but now I can do something to prevent it. So that's very kind of empowering to use that sort of silly language, but it, it, it actually is. But yeah, keep submitting stuff. 
if we can't get an answer in the first one, give us every chance, submit submit something else so that we can do it. And I suppose, Kieran, as well, it's probably no harm to manage expectations about when people might get their results. Um, so, like, we aim to issue a report to your vet within a day of what of something that we get in. So if we see something when we open the animal and there's something obvious and there's something that's pointing us towards pneumonia or towards um, heavy parasitism, we put that in a report and get that out to your vet uh, within 24 to 48 hours, usually within 24 hours or on the same day. And then as results come back from the further testing that we've done, they'll be issued to your vet all the time. So keep in touch with your vet. And then obviously we take tissues to look at down the microscope. They just have to fix. They just have to go through a process. So by the time you get a final report, it could be two weeks, three weeks. But you should be getting reports all along, you know, since from the time that you submit. So even though you might be hearing anything, we are still working on that case to try try and get, get a result to you. So because I know from being out and about and meeting people, you know, some people throw their hands up to them and say, oh, we never get a report back from the lab. And really, you do. It does go to your vet because we can't not issue reports with our system. So just keep 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 chasing it up. There, there, are, there are results going out. And look, and obviously, if you want to get rid of all these things, them tests take time. But it also emphasizes the point, particularly maybe a case of abortions, you need to get in early. So the first sign of it, get in and you have a better chance of dealing with that issue possibly during that lambing period. Yeah, like again, be 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 practical. You know, despite everyone's best efforts, you're going to have one or two abortions. But what we say here is, if if you have a cluster of abortions, so you go one morning and you've um, three or four yolks with uh, bits of strings coming from them, and you see little feces somewhere, then go with those. Or if over a course of time you're reaching a five percent level of abortions, you really need to start seeking and getting answers then. So just just have little markers that you go, no, I actually no, this isn't this isn't just that, you know, one of these things. I I need to chase up now and, and, and get an answer for this. You know, so just think of those little clusters, five percent, start getting an answer. And as you say, you know, the earlier the better. The earlier you get an answer the better. Maybe just to bring it back to some of the current issues we're still seeing in the farm, and you mentioned this earlier about you know parasite challenge, you're still getting lambs in with very high counts. Is that issue getting worse, Marissa, over the last couple of years? Are you seeing more lambs coming in that have high parasite burdens or potentially damage after a parasite challenge? Yeah, like we we really feel and, and kind of published scientific papers, Orla Keane from Chagas would have done a lot of work in it. So the level of sort of resistance to our anthelmintics, our doses, has really increased and is is a big concern really um, for the sheep industry because even though there are two new ones, they're prescription only um, anthelmintics and we don't want to rely on those. So we really have to manage this bloody problem and make sure that we still have uh, doses that we can use going into the future. So yes, on a national level, antimicrobial resistance is 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 a real issue and a very important issue. And on some farms, there's resistance to a number of the drugs, so they're really you know in trouble in that they've resistance to their ivermectins, they've resistance to the white drenches, they've resistance uh, to the yellow drenches. So that's that's a real issue um, on certain farms. But I suppose for any farmers listening, what really matters is what's going on in 
in your farm. So you need to know what the parasites in your farm are resistant to and are susceptible to. So what you need to do is carry out drench tests. So you need to take a sample of fecal sample before you test lambs um, and see that you have, you know, over 200 eggs per gram. You need to dose them and then you need to take a sample after you've dosed them. 14 days for your ivermectin and your white drenches and seven days for your um, labamisol, your yellow drenches. So, and actually see, do you have a resistance problem? So if less than 95% of those those worms are uh, killed by a properly administered drench, then you may be looking at a resistance issue. And then you have to really take measures to try and do that. But either way, you must be taking measures anyway to reduce your development of resistance. So what can you do? Fecal only dose when you need to. Take fecal samples. See, do they need a dose? Don't routinely dose. Just dose when you need to. Stop dosing your yolks. Your yolks mostly don't need a dose unless they have you know, particular thin, thin yolks or they're maybe carrying triplets. Then maybe do fecal egg counts and, and see do they need a dose. But as a rule, your yolks probably don't need a dose. And then also for your first dose of the year, for your nematodirus dose, use a white trench because there's no recorded resistance of nematodirus to a white trench. So use your white trench for that. So even those key measures would, would be a huge start to, to try and tackle uh, anthelmintic resistance. And I know Chagas has done a lot of work on this. So again, if you're a farmer listening, talk to your sheep chagask advisor. They'll be very aware of all these measures. And talk to your vet as well. They're, they're all up to speed. So there's a lot of knowledge out there just to try and access it and, and make it work for you. It's, it's like a lot of what you mentioned already, Marissa. It's about being proactive about it. But it really all feeds into improving awareness of what the issues are on your farm and it kind of feeds into the topic of the week of animal health awareness week you know it, it kind of encompasses a lot of what we've discussed yeah absolutely and i think it's it's a kind of a, a positive week it's a week really emphasizing that you know healthy animals are good for the animal and good for everyone involved especially good for the farmer they're good for his his own health and they're also good for his bottom line. Um, and like, I suppose we shouldn't, I thought an interesting um, statistic was that outside of Dublin, 10 to 14% of people are employed in some way in the agricultural industry. That's a lot of people, you know, and we really need to safeguard that. And I think one of the key things in that is to keep our animals healthy. And farmers are great at looking after their animals. Vets are really interested in helping farmers so are Chagas advisors. There's a lot of people who have the best interest at heart. There's a lot of information out there. So, you know, I think when we all work together, we, 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 we can do this and, and, and keep our health status and really help the health of our animals. Marissa, it was great hearing from you today. Thanks. You give us a lot of very interesting information. Thanks very much for your time. Thanks a million, Kieran. Great to talk to you. We're going to have to finish things up at this point. Again, some very useful information from Marissa explaining the different processes involved in postmortem and highlighting some of the key areas we need to focus on. Animal Health Awareness Week is an important initiative. It's a very useful one, a very timely one. There is more information on it available on the various Department of Agriculture social media channels and we'll retweet a link out from our own account. That's it for me for this episode. Again, for any updates on the Sheep Program, keep an eye on our Twitter page at Chocolate Sheep. I'm Kieran Lynch. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe and listen back to any of our episodes.